we have actually quite a few things to talk about here today. It seems like the last uh, last over the past week or so, it's been a leak fest in terms of uh, Apple news. But first, let's get a quick break from uh, our sponsor, Luna Display. Yes, this episode of Luna Display. <laughs> <laughs> we liked them so much, we just changed the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Luna Display is brought to you by Let's Talk iOS. Uh, actually, it's the <laughs> other way around. This episode of Let's Talk iOS is brought to you by Luna Display, which is the only hardware solution that turns your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. You can use your iPad as a very portable second display for your Mac with stunning image quality and pretty much zero lag. Luna Display can be set up in just a few seconds and it works instantly over your existing Wi-Fi or if you don't have Wi-Fi, it also works over USB. Luna Display acts as a, a complete extension to your Mac with full support for external keyboards, Apple Pencil and touch interactions. Literally, it turns your Mac into a touchable device. Let's Talk iOS listeners can get an exclusive 10% discount on Luna Display. Visit lunadisplay.com and enter promo code TALK at checkout. lunadisplay.com, L-U-N-A-D-I-S-P-L-A-Y.com. Enter promo code TALK and get 10% discount. Awesome. Now, before we jump into some of these news items, I see this very interesting note, and I've specifically avoided talking to you about this at all because I want to hear it kind of like fresh on the show. Uh, you wrote in here, so I got an iPhone 10R. Please elaborate. Something that's going to please you. It all started with a tweet from a French uh, Apple blog mentioning that there was an incredible sale on Amazon France on the iPhone XR uh, with a discount of uh about two hundred dollars or something like this, hundred seventy euros or some something along the lines. And I looked into it, and that was a great price, which makes the the phone uh, a little cheaper, I believe, than what it would be in the United States. Uh, so a great deal for this phone. And um, you know, I've always wanted to give it a try. Uh, more than just a few minutes in store. I didn't want to give it a try to the 10s Max because I knew that would be way too big and I, I wouldn't be able to give it a fair try uh, for an extended period of time uh, because I wouldn't bear it in my pocket for so long. The iPhone XR is slightly bigger than the iPhone XS, um, so I knew I could I could manage. And, you know, I was thinking my mom eventually is going to need a new phone or my wife is going to need a new phone. So it's it's going to be an easy hand, uh, hand-me-down phone um, that I'd be able to get rid of in such a way. And uh, this plus the amazing price um, maybe pulled the trigger on the phone and I get it. Um, I received it as, as I was coming back from our little vacation. Uh, I had just a couple of days uh, of time of of time with a device. So, you know, I can't say I've, I've experienced all of it and I'm able to give a full review of it or anything like this, uh, but I can certainly share a few early impressions. Sure. Um, early impressions is that, like the most notable, notable one to me is that even though the phone is um, heavier than the iPhone XS uh, in weight, it's heavier, it feels lighter in your hand. And that's because uh, something we've talked about before. Uh, it, so it's um, wider, taller, and the weight repartition is different uh, than what it is on the iPhone XS. So the XS is more stocky and compact. So you have more weight in a smaller package. Um, here, the weight is extended across the whole device. It feels, even though it's heavier, it feels lighter. So it's a nice 
you know, it feels good in the hand, like in, in a sense that the 10s feel like I'm holding a brick. This one feels like I'm holding half a brick. Uh, it's just an mm-hmm. illusion because, again, it's, it's heavier, but it feels like it is lighter. So it's a nice thing. Um, obviously, totally loving the added screen, uh, screen size. It's, it's just lovely to have more of everything on the screen, you know, more of email, more of news, more of Twitter. Uh, when you're, you know, when I read the news, uh, which I do pretty much exclusively on my iPhone, um, I have more of the article in view. It's just, just a nicer experience. Battery life, I haven't been able to tell uh, because, you know, I'm still in the first 24, 48 hours and, you know, everything for me is in iCloud. All my uh, photos are in iCloud. All my music is in iCloud. So there's a lot of things happening. Photos is still using a lot of um, uh, background processes and t- uh, downloading a bunch of thumbnails from my 30,000 pictures or something like this. Huh, right. So I haven't been able to fully experience what's the battery life on this device. But I think by next week, I'll be able to tell. I know so far today, and, you know, it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon here. I still have 80% of battery left. Um, and the day is, you know, two third of the way out. Um, typically on my iPhone 10 S, I would be much lower than 80% at this time of the day. I would be closer to the 60% or maybe in the fifties. Um, so, I mean, it, there is a not notable increase, um, but I can't tell for sure until, you know, a few more days. Um, okay. Here is a big one as I'm looking at it. And that's something I've experienced every day, like for the last two days since I've been using it is the camera. So there is, there is, uh, you don't have the dual lens camera. You don't have like the optical, uh, 2X optical zoom that you have on the iPhone XS or XS Max. Um, you do have portrait mode, but it's fake portrait mode. Like it's software portrait mode more than hardware portrait mode, um, than you would have on the XS. I know the XS portrait mode is not only hardware. There's obviously some software, but here it's exclusively software. And it's really not as good. It's much more limited. Uh, I think it's limited to only humans and maybe animals or something, but you can't take a picture of a, I don't know, a bottle of beer or something in portrait mode. It's not going to recognize it. And it's just not as good as uh, the XS in recognizing uh, people. Um, it seems like you have to be much closer to people for the the XR to, uh, to go into portrait mode. It's just really overall... Um, not as good, and it's been only two days, and so for, and two days in a row now. It's something that you know crossed my mind. I was like, oh damn, I wish I had my XS right now because I could take a much better picture than I can with this phone. And same with the optical zoom. Turns out I used the two X uh, optical zoom on my iPhone XS much more than I thought I did because again, two days in, and yesterday and today. Uh, I wanted, you know, if I had my 10s phone, I would have had used the the 2x zoom, and I wasn't able to do that here. I was able only to zoom in, but it's you know software uh, software zoom. It's not it's not as good. So really, some some little setbacks here to to me. You know, I feel like I really feel like a downgrades, and um, even if before I always brushed the thing as oh, you know, like there's only one. Um, one lens and I could do without portrait mode and all that stuff. And I could do without the optical zoom. It feels like two days later, I don't know if I can really, I don't know if I can in the long, in the long run, uh, lose, uh, what I have in the camera of my tennis. Um, and one thing also that I noticed that I'm missing is, and I, again, something I wouldn't think I would be missing is, uh, 3d touch. So, 
on the 10s we do have uh, 3d touch you can press firmly on the screen and uh different actions can happen you can pop on, on the icons you can um move the cursor on the keyboard and stuff like this and there are some missing 3d touch interactions on the 10r because of the 10r doesn't fa- it fakes 3d touch it doesn't have 3d touch it fakes it and there are instances where it doesn't it doesn't uh, work at all. So you can't 3D touch or you can't even fake 3D touch on a on an icon, an app icon. Um, when you uh, force touch on the lock screen, the camera icon or the flashlight icon, it just doesn't feel right. You know, it doesn't feel as right as it does on the 10S. Um, uh, pressing firmly on the keyboard to relocate the cursor, something I use all the time in emails. Um, is not the same. Here it seems that you can only force touch or fake force touch on the spacebar, whereas on the iPhone XS, you can force touch anywhere on the keyboard and you're able to to move the cursor. So these are little things that I'm sure I can learn to live with, or without, rather. But it's it's notable um, downgrades for me. And and uh, and uh, I'm going to push the the experiment for a few more weeks, probably, uh, especially I made the jump to move my Apple Watch to the new phone. It's, it's quite the adventure to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stick to this phone for a few weeks. Um, but, but I can see where Apple cut, uh, cut, cut costs here. And it, it's not in ways that, to me, uh, are acceptable. It's acceptable in, in the sense that Apple has to meet a certain price point, and I get this. But to me, as a user coming down, coming f- you know, down from an iPhone XS, um, it's not something I'm I'm okay to accept and uh, and and use every day going forward. So, um, at the end of the day, I st- I still feel it's a great deal of a phone, uh, especially at the price I got it. Uh, great phone, uh, great screen. Uh, sc- honestly, the screen I know it's not an OLED screen as it is on on the XS. I, honestly, I don't see the difference, Cody. I just don't see the difference. Uh, there is slightly more of a bezel, like a white edge around the screen than there is on the XS. But as far as screen quality, the display goes, I you know I don't even I can't I can't even tell. Uh, so great display to me. Uh, phone feels good in your hand. It's nice to have like the aluminum um, body um, and the glass back. Beautiful phone. Um, loving it uh, despite its few. Um, downgrades compared to to the tennis but still a great great phone it surprises me that your two beefs are would be with a with the camera which i've heard nothing but good things about you know like i've seen a lot of photos posted to twitter and the caption will read a lot of the times you know if it's a very beautiful photo taken with an iphone uh 10r so it's I mean, yeah, with the with the bokeh or with the portrait mode that you're talking about, I can see where that would be a miss. But uh, um, so, anyways, it just surprised me that with the, the your two complaints, camera, and then also the 3D touch, something we've talked about as being more of a gimmicky type feature, right? We've heard about the possibility of it even going away in the future. But I guess you don't know how much you use something in until you lose it, and yeah. then you're like, wait a minute, you know, this is a bummer. I would love to be able to move my cursor around. Yeah, exactly, and exactly, and and like you, I was surprised by this. I was surprised that the the camera would be would feel it again. It's still a it's still a great camera, but that's coming down from an iPhone XS. That's where you, like you said, you realize uh, I realize what I had when I don't have it anymore. It's still a great camera, um, 
but coming down from the 10s, it's it's it clearly clearly is a, a downgrade. Right. Uh, so about the size again, going back to the size of this thing, it's just a little bit bigger than your 10s, right? Yeah. It's not massively bigger. It is thicker, uh, and it's it's notable when you have it on your in your hand. Um, yeah, the phone the phone itself is not m- massively bigger than than the than the tennis. You know, it doesn't feel like you're having a tennis max in your hand. Like you're far from that still. But it does it does feel it does feel good. Again, like this, I am having the my tennis in the left hand and my tenor in the right hand. The tennis feels feels heavier. You know. And I don't know if it's the stainless steel edges. It's just the, the tennis doesn't feel as good in your hand. Um, now, because it's bigger, things are harder to reach. Uh, it was already hard for me to reach with my thumb. Um, to, you know, in in the in the upper third corner of of the screen of the tennis. But now it's pretty much impossible with the tenor. Like I'm not even talking about like the menu items buttons that are, you know, n- near the, the the status bar. Not even as high, right. but some some stuff that are like in the top third, you know, corner of the screen. Uh this this is uh this is just not doable now. Like in, in most cases I have to when I want to reach that top area, I have to use my, my second hand. Yeah, that's been a problem with me and the 10, uh, 10S Max for really since I got it. Yeah. You have to do the shimmy. If you're trying to use it with one hand, you almost have to kind of shimmy your, your thumbs or your hand up the phone to try to reach some of that top right-hand stuff. Sometimes I even make like a conscious decision of, okay, am I going to risk dropping the phone yeah. or am I just going to quit being lazy and get my other hand up there and just two-hand this phone? Um yeah, it's a weird one because I love the extra display space. I really do. I love having that extra display space on the phone. It's makes the phone so much more usable. Uh, it's made me not miss having an iPad as much, as crazy as that sounds. Just an extra inch and a half or so on the smartphone uh, could eliminate a whole tablet. But, I mean, just my usage, I guess, usage pattern of the tablet anyway combined with, okay, now if, you know, if I want to read something, I don't need to go get a larger display because this one's going to work kind of deal i'll tell you what though one thing one thing i'm i'm uh like a feature request if, if there was to be one because because i'm experiencing the two phone lifestyle for for a few <laughs> for for a little while here i wish there was a way to sync one apple watch with multiple devices now there is a way to sync one iphone with several apple watches but not the other way around you know i would like to be able to have my iPhone XR and my iPhone XS be connected with my watch. Not, obviously not both at the same time, uh, but they're both the same devices, same iCloud account. I actually did a restore from backup. Uh, so I set up, I set up the XR from backup. So it, it, it's a copy carbon image of my XS. And, uh, but I had to unpair my watch from the XS and pair it again with the XR. Lost some health data in the process a little Ugh. bit, yeah, a couple of days of health data, and, st- and 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 I was on a nice streak of uh, I don't remember like three hundred something days of uh, oh. meeting my goal or something. <laughs> you know, I I don't I don't go after like the rewards. Like I'm not you know crazy into it, but I was happy about this one because it was like over a year I think of yeah, meeting meeting the thing <laughs> every single day, and then I have my uh, 
uh, April challenge where I had to walk uh, 200 something miles and it lost like two days of data. So it lost like six, uh, 12 miles or something like this. I was like, damn, like this is, uh, this would not have happened if I had been able to pair my Apple Watch with, uh, connect my Apple Watch with these two, these two iPhones. So I'm, I'm hoping that in the future there will be, um, a feature like this. I don't see, I don't see it being like a majorly, uh, complicated feature to, you know, you would just go into the app, the watch app of the, of the phone you want to use for that day and say, you know, use, you know, this phone with my Apple Watch today and select the watch and that's it. And the next day, maybe change devices, go on the Apple Watch app on, on the other devices and connect the watch this way. I don't see this as being too much, um, too difficult to put in place. But maybe there's just not that many people that have multiple iPhones uh, and an Apple Watch to pair with those multiple iPhones. So I don't know. Yeah, this has been a complaint uh, from both of us since we've gotten Apple Watches, really. The the whole process of switching from phone to phone with your Apple Watch or setting up the Apple Watch as new, it just takes entirely too long. Yeah. Updates take too long. I'm surprised Apple's let it go this long. Um, because even if you don't have two phones, if you're not living that two phone lifestyle, which I'm starting to think would make a great title for this episode. Um, I don't think, I think people, when they're switching phones from one phone to another, it's the same thing. Apple should make that very easy. If you want to sell people iPhones, you want them to upgrade as, as quickly as possible. We'll make it easy for them to switch from one phone to the other and not lose a week of health data because you know you kind of brushed it off but uh i am on my way to a 200 day uh uh move streak that would be i think my longest in that category ever for just through apple watch but 200 day move streak i'm pretty protective of that to the point where uh and you've said you've mentioned you've done this before but where i will get up and move out of bed i will get up out of bed late at night and move just to make sure i i at least close that ring standing I have beef with the standing ring. It doesn't always track me appropriately. So I've given up on, you know, trying to hit a streak with that one. But the move one in particular um, just shows that you did something throughout the day, I guess, is why I like it. But it's I'm on a streak. And if I were to lose that day, I'd be super bummed. And you got to think there's people out there who are on a year streak like you were, maybe longer. And maybe that's what's really keeping them motivated, maybe keeping them going. Maybe they're on a six month streak and it's keeping them motivated. And once they lose that data, now the streak's broken. What if, you know, some of that motivation goes? So I think it's a problem, you know, again, I like you brushed it off a little bit, but I think it's a problem when you're losing health data, when you're trying to get people to gamify their health. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. So bottom line, would you be in love with the 10R if there wasn't this huge camera step down and uh, uh, missing 3D touch? I mean, you love the size and everything else about it? I still, I think I still love the more compact size of the tennis. Uh, there it is. Okay. Portability, <laughs> you know, my, my tight uh, jeans, my slim jeans. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't wear tight jeans. Um, but, you know, shorts. Can't take it back now. <laughs> no, but I wear shorts uh, quite often. And uh, it's just it's just too big in the pocket. You know, it is, it is too big and, and too heavy in the pocket. I mean, I've been pushing... I've been pushing it every year. I mean, Apple has been pushing it every year by making phones that are like heavier and heavier and bigger and bigger. And and I love these phones, uh, but it's it takes more and more space in my in my pocket jeans. And I'm kind of a minimalist in in many ways. And one of them is that I want the least amount of stuff in my pockets. And having a phone that gets bigger and bigger and 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 heavier and heavier goes against that. Yeah. 
that's that's my problem with the Tennessee Max too. It's uh, I oftentimes don't even keep it in my pocket. I'll literally keep it out on the table. It, this happens a lot actually, where I'm out, you know, either at a restaurant, out eating with friends, or maybe I'm at a sports bar watching the game, and people just marvel at the fact that I just leave my phone on on the table, out and on the table for a lot of the time. They're like, "Aren't you worried about somebody walking off with it?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm more worried about how uncomfortable it's going to be sitting jammed in my pocket as I'm trying to sit down." So it does create a kind of conundrum. I'd be interested to hear how people deal with this. I carry it in my back pocket a lot, just like on the go, just because the back pocket's made for, you know, it's. I think initially these were made for like wallets and bigger things to to put in there. So it just feels better slipped in that back pocket than it does jammed in that smaller front pocket for me, um, which is also probably not a safe way to carry it. So totally like not. I said, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be interested to hear how people uh, make do with just the larger size of these phones. Uh, but we'll check back in, in with you here in a couple of weeks and see how you're liking it. Yep. Um, I just got an alert, which is funny because it's the very next topic. It said that Samsung was going to postpone the launch of their Galaxy Fold due to display issues. Now, if you missed this this past week, this was a pretty big deal, um, I think, uh, just in the tech world in general. But uh, a bunch... So last week, Samsung sent out its Galaxy Fold handset to a bunch of journalists so that they could review them. Apple does this with iPhones. You tend to get this a lot with smartphones. And just ahead of launch, they want to get the press talking about it, which in turn will get the customers talking about it. Um, and if you don't remember the Galaxy Fold, this is an actual folding phone, right? We wrote about this, uh, I believe it was back in February when it was unveiled. And it's a, it looks like a kind of slimmer uh, handset, but then you can open it up and it folds open to, I think, an almost eight inch tablet. And there's a lot of people that have been talking about these foldable phones. Uh, I think Huawei is making one. Um, I think LG, uh, some of these other companies, you know, so everybody's kind of investigating. We've seen some Apple patents on the patent applications on, on foldable phones. So it's like this question mark of, is this where things are going? But Samsung kind of jumped the gun and said, Hey, not only are we researching doing it, but we think we have a production model ready. And so they sent those out to journalists last week. And it seemed like all at once, every tech person that I followed that received a review unit jumped on Twitter and said, hey, my screen's failing. Um, you know, we had M- M- MKBHD from YouTube, um, Dieter Bonn over at The Verge, uh, the folks over at CNBC posted online, uh, Steve Kovach. Uh, it was literally just kind of everybody all at once said, hey, look at what my f- display's doing. And it's there seems to be a problem. Well, it seems to be multiple problems. So the guys at The Verge said they thought they got a bit of debris inside the phone as it was folded. And this created like a ripple or a bump in the, in the display, which caused it to start cracking. Some of the other guys said, hey, we uh, there's a thing on there that looks like a screen protector. But it's not actually a screen protector. And Samsung tells you not to remove it, but it doesn't do it in the most obvious way. So you don't really notice it till after it's either halfway off or all the way off. Which is crazy to me because one of my favorite pastimes of opening an iPhone is removing that plastic kind of screen covering. It's just so satisfying as you peel it slowly off the phone. I've been doing it forever. I'm trained to do it. It's a muscle memory at this point. So for them to put that on there and not put in big red letters across the whole thing, hey, don't remove this, is... Seems crazy to me, but whatever. Um, moral of the story is, bunch of phones with problems. Samsung, I don't think, has commented on it till now, but they clearly have done something because I just got an alert that said that they've decided to push the whole launch back. They're supposed to launch April 24th or 26th, one of those. 
And now here we sit with more question marks. What was your take on this whole kind of fiasco? Um, it was kind of embarrassing to have <laughs> kind of <laughs> the the engineering the engineering and the design of it. It's just it's just bad. Um, if if there is room for misinterpretation from the user about a specific feature of the device, uh, then it's on you, the manufacturer and the designer of the product, to to make sure it. The, the 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 user doesn't do what it's not supposed to do uh by uh by making it by making things better um i mean i can totally understand i've seen some of the of the pictures of what clearly seems like a protection you know like a protection uh plastic wrap that you like you were uh, describing like you take off of the screen the first time you unbox a uh, a product and it, even with, I know, like Samsung said, they came back saying, "Well, you know, in the these were just like a prototype or you know early versions for the press, but uh, future version for consumers will have a little warning saying, don't, don't, you know, don't tear, don't uh, remove this uh, protective film." Even then, it's just bad. It's just bad design. You shouldn't have to say, "Hey, watch out, guys! Don't remove this. You got to leave it on, or else it's going to break your phone. It's going to break your screen." Like this is just the um, the perfect example of terrible, terrible design and and engineering. Um, but beyond this, like you can see that there are the way people look at Samsung eh, eh, or complain about Samsung is very much different from the way people look and complain about Apple products. If this was about, if this was happening to Apple, like you would see headlines on CNN and, and, and Fox and everywhere for, for weeks about uh, display gate or, you know, something, something gate for Apple. <laughs> but here it seems like it's almost a non-issue. Like people are like, eh, yeah, it's kind of a problem, but uh, they said they're going to, they're going to put a warning label on it and, and it's not going to be a problem anymore. I, I feel like when it's about Apple, things get blown out of proportion uh, very quickly. And when it's Samsung, it's just like a little like, meh, whatever. Yeah, the phone explodes, you know, uh, <laughs> sets on fire by itself because of bad battery. And they'll fix it, you know. They'll take them out of the market and, and make a new phone. It's no problem. Oh, you, you, you know, you can break the entire device by just peeling what appears to be like a, a protective screen. Uh, no big deal. You know, they'll just put a label on it. It's no, it's no big deal. But again, if it was Apple, that would be a much, much bigger deal. Now, of course, Apple is the the the, the highest rated company in the world, the richest. It is the gold standard. So, of course, we we you know look at it and and uh, and 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 we don't accept. I guess people in general, I say we as we people in general don't you know don't accept this for apple because it is the gold standard and we can all agree that samsung is not the gold standard so we put apple on a higher level and uh we hold them more accountable than any other company Uh, but still as an observer sometimes it feels very very unfair yeah i agree i wonder if this one uh made a smaller blip on the radar simply because uh price point right there wasn't a lot of people looking forward to this it's a two thousand dollar phone um so i think that made it even more of a niche product and also just the fact that it was a folding phone you know like when i told some of my non-tech savvy buddies i was like hey the samsung galaxy fold is is breaking they're like oh you mean the folding phone doesn't fold yeah we could have all told you that 
So I think the average person just thought we all saw this coming. Samsung does have a reputation for trying to be cutting edge, trying to rush things to market. I think that's why this kind of just gets written off. Apple's the one that usually holds off, make sure everything's perfect, and then they can release it or then they can at least announce it, which again is it's a different conversation. But I think that's why AirPower was such a big deal Yeah, is that uh, uh, we just don't expect that kind of thing from Apple. Um, Samsung, though, we're just kind of numb to it at this point. I mean, you got to think. They were making announcements on airplanes. If you have one of these phones, get off the plane. Like, that's what a big deal that was. They didn't feel safe flying with the Galaxy Note 7s. And Samsung kind of came out of that unscathed. I know they did a huge write-down. I think it was a couple of billion dollars uh, in just because they had to do the recall. And there was a lot of, like, other resources they had to spend money on. But it was uh, – they kind of came out of it, you know, no worse for wear. So I don't know how they managed to do that. But – uh yeah, I agree. There's a little bit of bias or a little bit of unfairness, but it just didn't surprise me at all that this didn't make much of an impact. It felt like a big deal to me that day because I was just kind of hanging out on Twitter and then you see the first complaint, look at my screen, and I went, uh-oh, this isn't going to be good. And then you see another person complain. You're like, okay, this has turned into a big deal. And then we did the post on it and then other people start complaining and it felt like the snowball effect. But because these were pre-production models or at least pre-release models, um, and because it's such an ambitious phone, it's such a high niche price point. I think Samsung got away with one here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're going to postpone the launch. We don't know anything else about this. You got to think that this is not just bad for Samsung, but really for anybody with a foldable phone going on at this point, right? There are a couple companies looking to launch this. This is just a bad look for foldable phones all around. Just so, uh, obviously we'll have to keep an eye on this. Um, let's get onward with these leaks. Let's talk some leaks here. Uh, these are iOS 13 and Mac OS 10, 15 related type leaks. You got to think we're only, uh, let's see, it is mid April. So we're all just a little over a month away from WWDC where Apple's going to unveil all this stuff. So, uh, we expect these leaks to start picking up. We definitely got a, a several of them last week. The first one, uh, iOS 13 app windows with detachable panels, uh, a new undo gesture, 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 gesture. I don't know. I'm, I'm an adult now and I still can't pronounce that word. Um, gesture. And uh, volume HUD, which is funny. That's such a small detail, but it's been a it's been a pain point for uh, iOS users for a long time. So a lot of stuff to unpack here in this uh, article from uh, I believe it's from Nine to Five Mac. They did some digging in the uh, 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 people familiar with the development operating system. So this wasn't in code. This was just uh, from sources. But uh, volume HUD, better Hey Siri rejection. There's the undo uh, gesture ge- gesture. And uh, so right now you have to shake the phone, right, to undo, which is not – it was cute when it first came out. It's not super intuitive nowadays. I don't know a lot of people that know that you can do that. So this is going to be a welcome uh, a welcome change. Safari changes. Uh, dark mode is another one that uh, – another big one. You don't really care about dark mode, do you, right? Like you've said this before that that's just not a big feature for you. No, it's not. No. Um. Honestly, as I'm going down the list, these are all kind of minor. You know, we got the minor. Uh, uh, Apple wanted to shore up some of the bigger features last year. So they said, we're going to do away with a lot of the big new features and we're going to shore up what we have. And so we kind of took what felt like a little haircut, a little trim on the normal feature set that we get with iOS 12. I was hoping for a little bit more out of iOS 13. It looks like there's going to be a lot of iPad specific stuff, though, right? iPad and Mac specific stuff, it seems like. Yeah. 
Right. So iOS 13, dark mode. Um, I'll tell you what, though. You know something I'm super excited about? And it, and it was like a small detail of this report. A, the revamping of the Reminders app. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. I think that is the worst-looking app. And it sucks because it's so convenient to tell Siri, yo, Siri, uh, add this, you know, remind me of this tomorrow or remind me of this later or add this. It's so convenient to, to interact with the reminders list, but the reminders app is so bad. I, I hate it. I really do. I dislike it very much. And I use clear, the clear to do list, a very basic swipe based type, very basic app, but I use it simply because the reminders app looks so bad. So I'm looking forward to that. Is there anything that stuck out to you for these iOS 13 changes? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, one I don't think you mentioned uh, is the ability for apps to have multiple windows. This, this oh, is the iPad-specific stuff. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah. a pretty big deal, I think. And I'm still unclear on, on how it will work. I think nobody is really clear. Even this report from Guillermo Rambo uh, was not extremely uh, clear uh, about how it will work and but it can be very interesting because right now what you have is the ability to have um, side-by-side apps. So you could have Safari on one side and the Notes app on the other. Um, and you could have actually two instances of Safari now side-by-side uh, on an iPad. Um, but you couldn't have two instances of, say, uh, a Pages document, two Pages documents side-by-side. Uh, you can, uh, you, I, I don't even know if you can have tab. I think you can have tabs. Um, in pages on on iOS, I can't remember. I rarely, I so rarely use it, especially on my iPad. I don't even know. Um, but either way, um, you apparently uh, with iOS 13, you'll be able to have um, to have two uh, different pages documents side by side, and you know maybe copy from one to the other or paste from one to the other. Um, and this could uh, I, I give the pages document example, but this uh, could of course um, be. Uh, made available to other apps. Um, I'm thinking also uh, one that we use right now. It's the Google uh, Documents, Google Sheets or whatever it's called, um, document where you could have two Google Sheet documents side by side. I think this is going to be uh, a pretty big deal as far as, um, I guess, multitasking, for lack of a better word, uh, will work on iOS uh, 13. Uh, apparently, you also be able to um, um, to to detach some sort of uh, card-like uh, windows and move them around freely on the screen. Um, again, this is not going to be uh, something similar to what we have on the Mac where we can do pretty much anything we want to do with windows, uh, have like 10 of them side by side if we want to, if we want to resize them and stuff. Uh, but it seems like uh, the way that window uh, it, windowing is going to work on the iPad is going to see uh, a complete refresh. And this is... Uh, very much welcome because we're still in this paradigm of having, of working in just in one screen or uh, two screens side by side or two plus a slide over or something. It's just, it's just not, you know, 10 years into the iPad, 10 plus years into the iPad, like this needs a good uh, refresh. And it seems that we're going to, we're going to see some of that. You mentioned um, the new undo gesture um, and something that, is mentioned in the report from Guillermo Rambo is that it's uh, a new undo gesture for text input on the iPad. So this is not an undo gesture for just about anything. It's only an undo gesture for text input. And 
we already have this undo jazz, this undo. We have an undo button for text input on an iPad. When you, when you have your keyboard, your software keyboard on the iPad, there is this little icon in the top left corner where you can undo and redo. So I'm, I'm, again, I'm unclear of why are they going to, uh, change a clear button, something very obvious, a button on the keyboard and change this to an obscure gesture that um, you're going to see a demo of the first time you pop up the keyboard, but you might forget or you might dismiss very quickly and, and never realize that it's here again. Um, and again, it adds more, more gesture-based actions to the iPad. And I think that complicates everything a little more. Um, so I'm cautious about this one. I'm, uh, I want to see uh, what it's going to look like in the future. Um, there's also an, a, a new feature uh, where iPad will automatically ask for a desktop, desk, desk, ooh, so hard to say, desktop <laughs> version of websites um, for those websites that render a mobile version on iPad. So some website, and I think YouTube is one of them, uh, if you visit it from your iPad, it gives you like a mobile version. It doesn't give you like the YouTube website that you would see on a MacBook Pro, for example. It just gives you like a mobile version of it. Uh, it looks like... Um, iOS 13 by default, not something you won't have to, to go into request desktop version. It will do it automatically for those websites. Uh, so nice little addition. There's going to be some font management added. Not something I use, but I think some people do. And um, it's going to save some headaches, uh, people installing uh, profile and stuff like this to, uh, to have better font management. It looks like iOS 13 will make this easier. So that's great. Um, the mail app, man, the mail app. The mail app is getting a Serious ref refresh. That's a big one, yeah. That's a big one. So you know how all mail apps from the past four or five years have all had like uh, different uh, default categories or tags for like newsletter, purchases, travel, finances, you know, receipts, uh, receipts yeah. and stuff like this. Important, not important. Uh, or, you know, like most, I think all new mail applications on iOS have had that for years. And... Um, and the stock iOS app has been stuck in the past, really, and hasn't really seen any major improvement like this. Looks like with iOS 13, we're going to get some of that. And we'll also have, apparently, the ability to snooze messages. Um, you know, when you receive a message, you could, you're going to be able to, I guess, swipe on it or force touch on it and say, uh, remind me later. So it makes it go away from your uh, inbox and reminds you uh, after a day, a week, or whatever the, your setting is. Um, these are not the features I actually use, uh, the snoozing and the labeling and stuff like this. But I, I'm, I'm all about uh, improvements to the stock mail applications. Uh, right. you, you did mention the Redesign Reminders app. Again, all, all about it. New volume, HUD, super about it. Um, and at the bottom of the report is uh, notes about hastily rejection, better hastily re rejection for common mistaken noises such as laughter and crying babies. Well, I have laughter and crying babies in my house all the time. And I can't tell you how many times HomePod goes nuts uh, thinking someone said, yo, Siri, when really it's, it was my son laughing or my daughter yelling at my son because he was laughing at her or something. Uh, that happens all the time. Like at least at the, at the very least once a day, we have a false negative with Siri on HomePod. So I'm all about this. And last but not least, probably... My my most expected nugget from this something you could will not care about uh, because you only speak one language. But the better multilingual support for keyboards and dict dictation. 
this, my friend, as someone who texts in English and French, pretty much equally, especially now that I'm living in France, um, I wish there was a better way uh, to handle dictation or and serial requests in both languages. I've had a rant about this uh, in the past on this show, so I will not rant again about it today. Um, but Siri speaks 20 languages or something. Why can't I speak in Siri in both French and English without having to, having to go into settings and change Siri language? This is baffling to me. So, you know, like on Apple Watch, I want to say, your Siri, send a message to Cody saying, I'll be late for the podcast. And that works great because my phone is set for English and Siri is set for English. But if I want to send the same message to my friend in French, I can't do this because Siri will not recognize me speak, speaking French. And this is, this is like a super annoying problem. Again, this only happens to people who speak a lot, uh, just two, uh, two, uh, two languages. Um, so it's not everybody that can encounter this issue. Um, but I think there's a, a lot of people in the world, especially, I mean, in, in, in the US, uh, there's such a, a large Hispanic community. Uh, you can imagine there's millions of people who would be happy to have the ability to speak to Siri in, in two languages. So I'm, I'm really, really praying for this one to be as good as I want it to be, uh, because it's going to be a life changer. And um, yeah, that's, that's about it for this report. I mean, there's quite a bit of nuggets in this report. So um, um, uh, good job to Guillermo Rambo for, for scoring all this uh, information and more, as we'll see in the, in the next few minutes of this show. So uh, yeah, to sum it up, Sebastian is super excited about my iOS 13, I guess. Um, okay, uh, we want to get to the Mac OS 10, 15 uh, tidbits here. But first, let's get a, another break and a word from our sponsor. Yes, and this episode of Let's Talk iOS is conveniently brought to you by Luna Display. Uh, we're going to talk about Luna Display in the next few minutes of the show because apparently Apple is going to um, add... As, uh, a similar feature to uh, macOS, uh, what is it, 1015, uh, sometimes uh, in, in the summer. Uh, so this is, uh, this is a timely uh, sponsor to have. You guys know Luna Display. They are the only hardware solution that turns your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. Uh, you can use your iPad as just more than an iOS tablet. You can use it as a very, very portable second display for your Mac with great image quality and pretty much zero lag. Um, you can set up Luna Display in a few seconds. You uh, plug in the Luna Display um, USB stick into your uh, MacBook Pro or your iMac or your uh, Mac Pro or your, what's the last one I'm thinking about, uh, the Mac Mini, and uh, open the Luna Display application on your iPad. And boom, here you go. You can use Luna Display. You can use, uh, you can use it as a secondary display or as an extension to your Mac. Uh, you can send actually what's on your, the screen of your Mac onto your, uh, your iPad. Uh, so for example, right now, I have, um, I have uh, Piezo that's recording the conversation. I have Skype that is also uh, making this conversation possible. I have uh, Safari open with Google Sheets in there. I can, send, I can make a copy carbon of the screen that I have on my MacBook and send it to my iPad and work from there. This is literally amazing. Um, as I said, Luna acts also as a complete extension to your Mac with full support for external keyboard, Apple Pencil, 
and touch inter interactions. It literally turns your Mac into a touchable device. As I was saying, you can send anything you see on the screen of your Mac to your iPad, and you can interact with it uh, on your iPad uh, with uh, a Bluetooth keyboard or with your Apple Pencil and with touch. So you can use, uh, you can touch macOS for the very first time. It's an amazing experience, trust me. Let's Talk iOS listeners can get an exclusive 10% discount on Luna Display. You can visit lunadisplay.com, L-U-N-A-D-I-S-P-L-A-Y.com and enter promo code TALK at checkout. You'll get an exclusive 10% discount. Trust me, give it a try. You'll love it. So for the 10.15, uh, the Mac OS report, uh, as you mentioned just before the ad read there, that uh, Apple is looking to come out with a similar feature. I think it's being called Sidecar Internally. Uh, but it is something that will allow you to do a very similar thing. Turn your iPad into either a wireless drawing tablet or a uh, secondary display. Obviously, you would think with Apple's uh, access to like the underlying, the you know, really deep into the operating system with their combination of software and hardware, they'd be able to do this, uh, you know, in a very you know little lag. Uh, seamless type of way so this is an exciting feature right especially for folks who own a macbook and an ipad and who really cherish that multi uh uh display type of experience every time you bring that up i kind of give a little fist pump like yeah because i just i could not sit here and do the work that we do um even though i don't you know it's not like uh it's not like i'm programming uh you know the space station it's not <laughs> it's not like i'm a rocket scientist but it's just it just requires multiple windows open. It requires multiple tabs open. It requires multiple different apps open. Uh, so it's really nice to have that extra screen uh, screen real estate. Uh, this is a feature that I'm really looking forward to, something we've been calling for Apple to do for a very long time. Yes, but I think we shouldn't get too excited about this. Okay. Because we don't know much about what this feature is like this has been dubbed as the luna display killer or the duet display killer and i i'm not sure about that and i don't think guillermo rambo you know clearly says that in his report like he does mention luna display and 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 the way it works and but it doesn't say that this is going to be exactly that. He said the new system will have a feature that allows users to send any window of any app to an external display the external display can be an actual external display connected to the Mac or even an iPad. So it says a feature that allows users to send any window or any app to an external display. So you're not going to be able to mirror your display, for example, which is something that's, um, that you, I believe, use, Cody. Uh, I think you use your, your MacBook in clamshell mode, right? And then you mirror your display onto an external display. Um, so it looks like you're not going to be able to do this. From what I read here, all you're going to be able to do is to send a window or um, any window of any app, like a window of an app to an external display. That's about it. Um, so I don't think you're going to be able to bring macOS to your iPad in the way that Luna Display is uh, doing it, for example, or in the way that Duet Display is doing it. Um, I think like we're getting very excited about a feature that is not going to be that life changing. It's going to be great that you can send, you know, a window to your your iPad if you choose to. If you choose so, but I don't think it's as full features as we'd all want it to be. Yeah, it's it's more for me. It's more about like taking that first step, right? Like Apple's got its foot in the door now. It understands that 
there's a you know there could be a really good relationship between the MacBook and the iPad. You can use these in different ways than the way we've been using them. So I think that's more of why I'm excited for the feature. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I don't even have an iPad currently, but if this ever turned into something that was really useful and especially really productive when you're you know on the go and I don't have my big 32 inch monitor here, um, I'd be very interested. Also, to kind of clear something up, I currently am not using my MacBook and clam and oh, clamshell. I, and that's okay. I just I tried it, and because my monitor is not 4K, it's just there's so much time I have to switch back to the MacBook so I can use its Retina display to take screenshots to do things that we need to do in 4K, um, or at least in Retina high resolution. Uh, so it just it's it's clamshell has not worked out well for me. I would love to do it because it would save me a considerable amount of desk space. How my setup is is I have an, a monitor arm for my 32 inch monitor. I also have a monitor arm for the laptop, but it's got a laptop, uh, like a holder on it. And so if I could get rid of that second monitor arm in the laptop holder, I'd have a lot more space. Uh, I tried it, but just again, because of the constraints of the monitor, I gotta, I gotta keep, um, the second arm and the, and the laptop kind of open and out and about. Um, so, but if I ever got, you know, sometime at some point here in the near future, I'll go 4K monitor and then I would be able to clamshell it up and, and save some of that space. Um, something that I'm missing also from this report is, is it going to be available to all apps or only more Zipan style applications? Because it, to That's me, a good point. to me, that would be a good first step. Uh, I mean, an easy, an easier first step and, uh, one that would make sense, um, so that's something I don't think is mentioned in the report unless I, uh, I overlooked it. Um, but in the second to last paragraph, Guillermo, Guillermo says that uh, users with an iPad that supports Apple Pencil will also be able to draw with a pencil on iPad when it's being used as, a, as an external display for the Mac. This is great. This is just, this is going to be more than an external display, but you're going to be able to actually do things on that external display. So even if it's very limited, at least, you know, in its first, um, uh, in, in its, its, its first instance, uh, you're going to be able to, for example, I'm thinking, you know, maybe, maybe, hopefully, um, open Photoshop, send a Photoshop window to your iPad and work on your iPad uh, with your pencil and touch up that image or something. And, and th I mean, this would be kind of a quote-unquote revolutionary way uh, of working, I think. And something that only Apple uh, with it's clear uh, control of uh, all systems of all platforms, the Mac and the iPhone and iPad, and iOS, macOS, only them are able to do this. Um, so this, this will bridge the gap a little more between Mac and iPad, I think. Uh, these, again, are f uh, features that are much welcome. Something else that kind of stuck out to me from the report is this little this little clip that says engineers are also working on options that will allow windows to be easily snapped to one side of the screen, uh, similar to a feature that already exists on Windows. Now I know that I'm not using a fraction of like shortcuts and things like this, and I, I just don't know all the ins and outs of of Mac OS. I think you can already do something like this, right? Like snap windows together. But if anybody knows how to do that, please let me know because I would love to be able to press a button. And have all my windows show in like, you know, like just all in one view. So maybe I've got three Safari windows open, but two are minimized. Minimized? Uh, minimized. minimized. Yeah, uh, minimized. Um, 
to be able to show all windows but have them all viewable. So maybe you have to condense the size of some of them. I tried downloading a like a Windows Manager type app uh, not too long ago here, maybe six months ago, because I was like, I would love to be. I don't know why necessarily. Maybe just like I feel like I could work that into my workflow somehow. Uh, but this feature intrigues me for that reason. I would love to be able to like press a button and have all my windows show at the same time, but have everything viewable. So maybe they've got to zoom out on this window over here and they've got to move it smaller. Um, this is the kind of thing I think of when I, I read this. No, doesn't, doesn't appeal to you. <laughs> um, yes. Um, I, it's not, you know, I'm a very basic window kind of guy i have typically one window open at a time uh well okay i have several windows open at a time but one is the main focus and i might have you know slack uh in one corner uh so it's open and i see it but it's not like prominent uh i don't i don't know if uh better window management and snapping and stuff like this would make my workflow any better i feel like I feel like what I'm doing right now is is good enough, um, but uh, what, who knows? You know, it's something that I might give a try to the new feature when it's available, um, but it's not something I'm, I'm clamoring for right now. Yeah, so if I have like the Messages app, Slack, Mail, two large Safari windows that I'm working out of, think of all these windows that are open. Now, if I could press a button and they could all kind of snap to their own places where, again, I can see all the content at once, uh, but they're all just, you know, maybe you make the, the Slack window 500 pixels wide by only 300 pixels tall because it's in that text format. And I mm-hmm. don't, that's, that's a great size for it. Same with mail. You could make it a lot wider than it is taller because of the format of mail. And then the Safari windows. Um, I don't really know what I'm going for here. I just, I have a vision in my head of having perfect. Uh, dimensions for all of these windows and they're just all on my screen like a collage all at the push of a button um so yeah whatever the whatever i'm going for here this little blip stuck out to me is wouldn't that be cool if i could press a button and it would arrange all my windows for me but again if you if anybody out there knows of an app that does it or maybe there's an actual feature that i'm just totally oblivious to uh let me know Anything else about this uh, 1015 that stuck out to you? Um, well, that's just from this report, right? There's there's other reports on the 1015. Uh, the other one uh, lets you – Apple Watch would uh, authenticate things other than just logging in. So you'd be able to use your Apple Watch. And uh, it says, according to sources familiar with development of Mac OS, the next major version the app of the operating – system will allow users to authenticate other operations on the Mac beyond just unlocking. So I got to think that might be for uh, Apple Pay or maybe it's like system level type stuff like, uh, um, oh, it says Apple Pay confirmation here, but I'm thinking of system type stuff where like, let's say if you want to install a third party app, a lot of times you have to go through multiple steps to authenticate that. Maybe the Apple Watch would make something like that quicker. One way, uh, one example I can think of, the only example I can think of here <laughs> right? is 1Password uh, on my Mac because every every day on 1Password, I have to unlock 1Password so I can either type my password, but I have a MacBook Pro with Touch ID, so I use Touch ID. Why why can't I just autofill that uh, by wearing my watch? I know that when I log into my Mac, and when I use iCloud uh, Keychain, what it's called, iCloud iCloud Passwords or iCloud Keychain, 
I don't it's have to authenticate like 40 times. I unlock my Mac and boom, that's it. I can fill out passwords all day long on my, you know, in Safari or Naps and stuff like this on my Mac. However, even though I unlock my Mac and so I clearly know the passcode to my Mac, I still have to uh, manually uh, unlock one password and I get it. It's security measure, but sometimes it feels more like an annoyance than anything else, especially because why my passwords are in one password can't be unlocked with my initial Mac unlock, whereas my iCloud keychain passwords can. You know, it would be nice if it could autofill my um, my one password uh, password, and then I wouldn't have to reach for Touch ID on my MacBook Pro keyboard, or I wouldn't have to type the password, which is pretty complex and, and long for my uh, for one password. So that's the only real use I can see of this feature. And that's something I would love. Um, but I feel like it's going to be something, a small feature um, that only a few will really um, enjoy. Or maybe it will bring, um, you know, like something we actually didn't mention and I just thought about right now is that for those that have an iMac, for example, or a MacBook that doesn't have Touch ID, or maybe... Um, maybe it will unlock the Mac automatically. Maybe you'll go, you'll be able to sit down at your iMac and um, the watch will, um, well, it already does this though, doesn't it? it yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah I use yeah, this, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, I use this every morning. Like that's how, I, that's how. I, I was I'm like, not, uh, but where is he going with this? Yeah, that, I was like, and I'm saying, I'm like, wait, I do this every day, you know, until it doesn't work and I have to restart my Mac and then it works again. You know, like sometimes, I don't know if you use this feature, but sometimes it, it seems it gets it like it hangs for too long or or it just doesn't work and that happens to me every you know every every week or something so I just restart the computer and then it works instantly again um, after you know punching in my keyboard, my password so I don't know the I, I guess bottom line the only, only use I can see out of this is for filling out my one password key uh, key uh, keyword key password <laughs> um i mean you have i think like it once once the mac can identify okay uh it's got to be cody sitting here because he's wearing cody's apple watch only cody could be wearing cody's apple watch i feel like this could make a lot things shorter you know it could cut out a lot of passwords and you're you know i guess i'm somebody who doesn't have a touch id macbook so i'm not able to um, authenticate things with just the touch of a button. I typically have to type in uh, my passwords. So I see this as being able to uh, hopefully eliminate at least some of that, you know, rigmarole of logging into things, of authenticating things. Uh, Two-step authentication could be made shorter this way through multiple apps. It's just you have to see where Apple goes with it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm all I'm all for again my multiple Mac devices being able to work together. Yeah. Hey, we talk a lot about unlocking, but what about locking? What about I get out of, I get up, walk away from my Mac, and you automatically lock the Mac for me because you, you know, like you realize that the Apple Watch was moving further, so maybe I took right. a ba- bathroom break, or maybe I'm just walking away before lunch or something. Uh, if I'm at uh, a desk in an office, I don't know why not. You know, why not just unlock? Why not lock as well? That would be a great feature, I think. That would be great. And it would just be kind of an add-on to what it already does. Yeah. I think most of the stuff I visualize for this is stuff that I think people with Touch ID Max are already doing. You know what I mean? Like it's already simple for for Touch ID folks to just go boop and then 
you know, like uh, if you're trying to do change something in system preferences, uh, like the third-party application thing I talked about earlier, um, with a watch, it'd be quick. With Touch ID, I assume it's pretty quick. But for me, I'm still typing in my password every time. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll have to see how that feature turns out as well. Um, other 10, 15 tidbits, there's uh, Shortcuts, the Shortcuts app coming to Mac. I'm actually, you know, kind of excited about this. You're t- I'm talking about this as somebody who doesn't really use shortcuts on mobile but i want to you know i want to be a shortcuts guy i want to be like oh look at all my cool shortcuts that i have i do this i just touch this button and 20 things happen and all my windows snap into each other (laughs) (laughs) right um but even on iphone i would love to use it i've you know i've i've dabbled in it. i go into the app store every once in a while when that i get that itch and i'm like yeah let's do it and uh then I just get overwhelmed. I just kind of stare at this thing and I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do with this. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I. Uh, oh, that's just for shortcuts. But anyways, then there's screen time, screen time for the app. That is uh, uh, for the Mac. I'm not too worried about that. That's not something I look at in, in the iPhone very often. It's just I don't know. I don't worry too much about it. If I feel like I'm using my phone too much, I put it down. I'm sure if I looked at the actual screen time info, I'd get freaked out a little bit so i just kind of avoid it uh do you check out your screen time a lot is that something you try to control no i don't i do get notification every week but um it's not something i pay attention to i'm i'm you know i don't think i i I have an unhealthy use of my iphone and most of it is really for work what i use it most you know work and reading the news i don't play games i don't spend too much time on social media outside of twitter and that's mostly for work really i don't do anything really for on Twitter, I'm not into it that much. Um, so no, I don't. I don't really use screen time, but I can see the value of it. Yeah, I absolutely see the value of it. And if you're somebody who feels like uh, they use their phone too much, I think it's a very valuable tool to help you, uh, you know, kind of cope with that or kind of deal with that. Uh, another tidbit that's in this man, there's just kind of Easter eggs all over the place. But uh, Apple ID management panel. Uh, to bringing that to system preferences. I've long thought that Apple needed something like this, just kind of like a home base. Like, where can I control everything? I just think the average user doesn't really know where to go when you're having, maybe you want to reset a password or you want to see, um, I don't know that this would do that, but if you want to see past purchase, I just feel like there's just not a good, I know that you can access it through uh, the iTunes app and things like that, or um, you can even access some stuff online at appleid.com, but I just, uh, having a more central like here visit here and you can control all your Apple ID stuff from here. I think that's big. Yeah, I want to I want to roll back just a sec here uh, because you you jumped yeah, uh, sure. you jumped from Siri shortcuts to this and uh, I I wanted to make a point to kind of clarify um, this report from Rambo again about uh, shortcuts. What it says is Siri shortcuts are, are coming to macOS. It doesn't say iOS shortcuts. It doesn't say like it says the shortcuts app, you know, may is likely to make it, and you know, may, it's possible that it will make it into macOS. But this doesn't seem like a a sure shot. Um, what seems like a sure shot is Siri shortcut, like the probably the least um, interesting. Uh, uh, part of shortcuts itself, like the way that you can create, you know, uh, custom phrases to uh, launch um, shortcuts. So you could, you know, open a specific application with serial stuff like this. I mean, this is not like the full-fledged version of shortcuts coming to to macOS. It doesn't look like it anyway. So this is not, I think, a replacement 
uh, for Automator, which is the big brother of shortcuts. You know, it's the big brother for the Mac of what shortcut is on, on iOS. And uh, again, I feel like uh, I, from reading this report uh, of him, um, it really seems like this is not, we're not going to get shortcuts. We're going to get Siri shortcuts. And this, only, this is only going to be for, you guessed it, Marzipan applications. Not all uh, applications are going to be able to take advantage of Siri shortcuts. So I think, again, first, it's a first step. It's a great first step. Um, but uh, let's not get too excited about, about this because we're not going to get uh, the big version of shortcuts on I, for iOS ported to, to the Mac. I don't think we're going to see this this year. Okay. Yeah, fair point. Um, and it's not something like that I'm banking my love for 1015 on. <laughs> like, man, if they don't have shortcuts, I'm out. <laughs> I'm quitting. But, uh, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. Fair point to point that out. Uh, let's see here. Uh, fireworks, if you really like the, if you really like the uh, iMessage effects. I'm surprised it's taken this long to come to Mac, right? Like the Mac has all the processing power in the world when you're, you know, in the context of the iPhone. It's crazy to me that they're just now going, okay, maybe the Mac can do message effects too, like confetti and lasers. Um, so I'm happy for the cross-platform availability on that. Um, what else? Yeah. Do we want to talk about the Find My Friends thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. So uh, Apple is testing a unified version of Find My Friends and Find My iPhone app. So everything all in one. And it says they're also working uh, with... Uh, uh, tile-like tags. Now, if you haven't seen tile before, there's these little square chip-type things, right? They're no bigger than a poker chip, and they are, I believe they have built-in Bluetooth that allows you to, you attach them to your key ring, and all of a sudden, now you can find your keys if you ever lose them. You can attach them to, like, a backpack or something, and if they get separated with the phone, that's two-way communication. Either the tile can beep or the phone can beep just from the separation. So it's a very popular, like, hardware-type product, uh, that's been out for a while. It says here that Apple is working uh, on something very similar to this. And it makes sense, right? When we saw like the uh, the uh, AirPods Finder and things like that, we kind of knew that this was the direction Apple was headed. Surprising product uh, still from Apple to, to ship that kind of product. But when you see the gigantic amount of users that they have, that all iOS users and all of these iOS, iOS users can create a gigantic network across the globe. Like it starts to make sense. Tile, I think Tile is a great product, um, but not one I want to use because I feel like if you lose your key and you have a Tile on it, your keys are lost forever. You know, <laughs> you, know you know, like even though there is like a, a Tile network, and you know, if someone with the Tile app. Uh, you know, launches the tile the tile app on their iPhone nearby your lost tile or something. It's going to show that it's here. Okay, it's great, but you're limited by uh, by the amount of people that use the tile app. There's just not that many. And then I think they they have to make the conscious effort of launching the tile app nearby the lost device. So it's like, I mean, the chances of you finding the stuff I think are very very limited. But get this. Like I, uh, Apple has complete control over the OS of uh, of uh, your iPhone, and they can create an amazing experience um, like no other. Like imagine this: like you lose your tile, your Apple tile, whatever it's going to be called. You lose this with your keys on it. Well, there's there might be hundreds of people walking by your lost keys with the tile on it, um, with an iPhone in their hands. 
And guess what? Maybe the user of the iPhone doesn't even have to launch to launch any kind of app or anything like this. Automatically, the tile is going to connect to an iPhone because it's going to pick up there's an iPhone nearby and um, send a message to your iTile application saying, or to your find application saying, hey, uh, you know, uh, an, an iOS user walked by your tile and it's at this exact location. Uh, right. And, you know, send a ping and send directions to you and all that stuff. Like, this is something I think that is amazing. You know, like how, how you can, um, uh, airplay, uh, no, uh, it's not airplay, it's, uh, airdrop. You're in a train or something and you can airdrop. Uh, a picture to someone who's not in your contacts or something like this, you know, it, you can right. go to the picture and then they're going to see icons or uh, faces of people around you or something like this. I think this is going to be working in the same kind of manner. Um, and I, I think like the possibility of this are insane where I think that tile, the, the existing tile product is kind of useless uh, because it doesn't have enough users. And again, like these users have to make uh, conscious decision to open the app and stuff like this could work completely in the background without anyone knowing about it except the guy who lost his key and when he receives a notification saying hey you know like 10 iOS users walked by this and this is the location we've been able to triangle the exact location because we have so many iOS uh, devices uh, walking by this place I mean this this is nuts like this could be again like a revolutionary product you could put this like everywhere you could put this like in the in the backpack of your kids you can put this like on you know under the seat of your car of your uh, bicycle you can put this i don't know in your i don't in your backpack and you know like you can hide it i mean this is i think this is going to be um a, 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 another revolutionary product and that's going to be entirely thanks to the Im immense network of iOS users that are in the world and that can just like cover the entire world uh, with their iOS devices. I think this is right. going to be, I think this is going to be a big deal. If it happens, if this product happens and you know, you can use it, uh, it has more than a 24 hour of batteries or something like this. You know, if it has like six months battery, a year battery on it, this is going to be a revolutionary. I think. I feel like the tile has year batteries, but I'd have to double check that. Yeah. I think it has it has like a like a super long uh, battery life, but I think then once it's over, you have to uh, once the battery is dead, you can't. I you know again like I don't use tile, but I'm pretty sure like you can't replace it. They might have a, uh, units that you can replace, but I believe the one I had anyway, uh, you couldn't open it. Or you can open it. I think you have to send it back to the tires people, and they give you a discount on a new one or something. So you basically have to buy a new tile every time you run out of batteries, right? But so something to add to this, you'll be able to store your contact information in this in these tile like uh, hardware products or devices, and uh, you can put something in loss mode, right? So if your keys are in loss mode and somebody comes across them, they'll know exactly who the keys belong to. Now, whether they decide to act on that is is totally up to the user. But uh, yeah, this is huge. As somebody who's lost their keys before, lost their phone before, I've lost their wallet before. I mean, this is. Uh, this is a big deal. So yeah, fingers crossed that this actually uh, materializes. You know, at the price, Tile will sell. You know, one for fifteen bucks or twenty bucks, or a pack for forty bucks. These aren't huge money makers, uh, but this would be a very, very nice uh, user friendly type of thing for Apple to do. Uh, to uh, again build more, uh, add more sticks to the walls of their ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is something I'm excited about. Yeah, fingers crossed that it happens. Um, 
the find my friend. Do you use find my friends? Like, do you and your wife have it set up, or maybe we have it set up with your kids? Uh, well, my kids don't have iPhones, so no. But I do use it with my wife, and I use it actually over the. We were at, in Disneyland uh, last. Oh yeah, sure. The f- last few days. Well, sometimes this week we were there, and um, and sometimes you know my wife and her fa- and her parents and my kids were going ahead of me or something, and so I I like I like this. Um, the other day, my wife had lost quote unquote her phone, which happens about three times a day, um, huh. and she was like, I don't know if I brought it with me or if I left it at the house. I was able to quickly use, you know, find my find my friends and say, oh no, it's here. You know, it's it's showing next to me, so it's either in your purse or in the car, but it's here. Um, and I use it sometimes because, uh, you know, my wife. Uh, we are in France, and sometimes she takes the car, or sometimes she goes across country and uh, meets some friends in London or something. I'm like, I want to see where she's at. I want to make sure she's uh, she arrived there safely because I can't always rely on her to send you a text like, oh, okay, I made it safe. You know, um, so I I do I do track i i do check where she's at from time to time and i i find this uh very 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 convenient and if i had if my kids had iphone i would totally um uh use that for for them as well yeah the find my friends thing it feels like this was one of those really cool apps when uh uh ios first launched right when you when everything had this uh, skeuomorphic type look because the find my friends one always had i think it was like a leather bound type of look like it was very cool it's just not something I've opened a bunch. It's not something you set up with like a bunch of your guy friends or even like some of your closer family members. I could see how you would use it for for your wife, but uh, yeah. So I feel like that's an app that's kind of been left back. So I'm fine with combining it with the Find My iPhone. I've definitely used that uh, app several times. Find My iPhone or Find My iPad to, to help me track some of the stuff of that some of that stuff down. Um, with the tile thing, here's something else that we've kind of it's kind of been forgotten about. And I think it was a big deal when it first came out was Apple's iBeacon stuff, right? Like these beacons that they would set up in retailers and this, they were going to have a big, you know, uh, a big chain of retailers set up these iBeacons in their store. And then all of a sudden your phone would now be this very intelligent advertising device. Like you would walk into the jeans section. You'd be like, Hey, remember that Macy's has jeans two for one today or something like that. There was a lot of really cool, concepts really cool talk and chatter about uh, iBeacons that's something I haven't heard about for over a year probably heard them talk about even is that just me or is that uh is that something you're using uh no I and I I, and I thought the the project was not doing so well so and uh, quite frankly I I don't know much about it but uh last I heard I think it was not doing so it was not so hot (laughs) yeah or it's it's something that could be just very behind the scenes, right? Where the Apple just has no need to talk to consumers, customers, or even people in the industry about it because it's so behind the scenes. I mean, it's not like they were making huge amounts of money, but they were selling these beacon devices and uh, trying to get stores to really take on this system where folks' iPhones could be used to distribute advertisements, promos, coupons. This uh, tile-like device thing kind of reminds me of that. Very similar technology, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, I think that wraps up these uh, this leaked report. That's a lot, right? When you first when, you know, as it's happening, you get one of these reports or so a day and you're like, OK, I can keep track of that. But now I'm looking at it. I'm going, wow, that's a lot of features exposed for iOS, for Mac OS. Um, pretty big deal here. If it materialize again, these are reports but just given the source and where they're coming from you you feel like there's some weight to it you feel pretty good about it yeah and i think we we must acknowledge um guillermo rambo at 95 mac for coming up 
consistently this past week with this like dropping it one by one and uh as we are recording he actually uh dropped one more report uh, regarding WWDC and who knows he might you know he has probably tons of information and doesn't want to release it all at once um it's uh, so we're probably going to see more and more and more of this uh i don't know if he's going to replicate what he did last week having a daily uh drop but uh, uh kudos to him uh, for getting this information and uh, having a source uh, inside Apple, it seems like, uh, that's that's sharing that with him. So great job for him. Yeah, he's usually the guy that does all the digging in the in the firmware, right, in iOS. And uh, you have to wonder if he didn't make some create some fans that way where they just went, man, this guy's intelligent. Um, yeah. So, yeah, very cool. Very cool stuff from him. Um, and we will continue to kind of keep an eye on all of this stuff, right, iOS, macOS. Again, we're just a little over a month away from WWDC. We're super looking forward to it. And I kind of look at it with these spectacles on of, you know, Apple specific, this specifically happened last year where Apple could shore up and really, uh, fine tune its operating systems last year. This is the year it's going to deliver on some, on some big features. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Um, anything else to add before we get out of here? No, let's get out of here because I can see people in the back like looking at me funny and be like, hey, guys, it's our time. Like, so move, move, move away, move away. We need the space. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get out of your hair here. Um, all right, cool. Well, as, as always, I got to think that this might be one of my favorite episodes of 2019. And uh, I will try to top it next week when I meet you back here, same time, same place. Sounds good. Talk to you next week. Bye bye. Good placement of the best episodes, my favorite episode <laughs> You're of like, 2019. Perfect to cut it off. Yeah, perfect to uh, cut it off. You think. This one, this one was good. This one was good. <laughs>